Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein. With me, as always, is the lovely Karen Randazzo. I'm an alien. And the pain in the ass, Chris Randazzo. Reynolds rap keeps freshness in, can't keep Mitchell out. No truer words have ever been spoken. Uh, We talk television. Keep in mind, this podcast is spoilerific. So, if you do not want to have Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4... Doctor Who in general, Mystery Science Theater Season 6, or the current season of Supergirl spoiled for you at all, please stop listening, go check them out, and come back to us, because we make them better. Bye. We love boomerangs. Always come back. Yeah, that's that's the point. Like, we need you to come back. Um, so, I think I'm going to start this week. I'm going to change I it up a bit. a great plan. Um, I decided that I, I was going to go way back going to hop into the Wayback Machine and, and do up some Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, uh, you did Happy Days before, so Buffy doesn't really well, yeah, it's very true. way back. <laughs> well, that was way, way back. I uh, gotcha, way, way back. So, it's... Uh, I did want to talk about the show previously, especially around Halloween, but it, I couldn't pick, like, a specific Halloween episode, because the show is supposed to be scary all the time. Um, so, I decided to do... Uh, season four, episode ten. Hush. Um, those that are fans of Buffy, sort of all are in agreement that this is one of the better episodes of the show. Um, one of the better seasons. Yeah, the, one of the better seasons as well. Yes, but oddly enough, half of this episode is silent. There is no speaking, so maybe that's why people like it. I don't know the way the the way the episode starts off, where. Uh, you know, in Buffy's college class, and teacher calls her up. They're having some. Sto- it's a it's a communication discussion that they're having. She asks Buffy to lie down on the table, which I thought was a little forward. Um, and then her would be boyfriend comes in and says the best line I have ever heard romantically ever spoken: "If I kiss you, the sun will go down." That's that's pretty big like right yeah i don't really i don't remember this yeah yeah uh turns out that was a dream sequence though that's riley right uh yeah oh yeah god riley yeah well i mean yeah we can't have nice things can we no we cannot um riley's involved the the (laughs) his name should just be appendix i'm just gonna call him appendix from now on (laughs) all right okay Turns out she was having a, a dream while in class. We all go back to the real world when she wakes up. Somebody makes fun of uh, um, what's her name? The, the the friend doesn't even matter because it's the, no. <laughs> I it the the amount like I remember this show very very fondly, and I as I'm rewatching it, you know, I go wow, I real I I I I get I looked at this show through rose colored glasses. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, the show was entertaining, but, like, Willow was all about the, the like, I want to say puns and, and quips when she wasn't very good at them. Um, but that's besides the point. The, 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 the gist of this episode is there is a group of gentlemen called The Gentlemen who come into a town. 
They steal the voices of all the people in the town and then proceed to pick seven people from that town to steal their hearts. And then they go to Ursula and give them the voices. And yes. And they get legs. <laughs> and they get real legs. <laughs> Lieutenant Diane, you've got new legs. Um, I guess, I, I mean, if you think about I it. I want to watch just... this shit out of that, actually. <laughs> we, we keep coming buffy, up with better shows than we mermaid, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, Forrest Gump crossover. Uh, the, the one we've all been waiting for. <laughs> The one everyone has been waiting for. Um, Buffy the little Verg Vamp Gump. No, I failed. <laughs> nope. Yeah, you were Buffy Gump there. the Mermaid Slayer. There you go. Buffy Gump the Mermaid Slayer. See, but is she slaying mermaids? No, but well, uh, maybe she is in this mashup right. thing we've created. She, she could be. Or the Slayer Mermaid. I gotcha. All right. Um, Where was I? Uh, the The gentleman... You know, take the people's voices so that they actually can't scream whilst being operated on whilst they're alive, which is, I thought, a neat little twist. Um, and I think also that people not having voices helped uh, prevent anyone from stopping the gentleman, because if somebody found out what was going on, they couldn't exactly like, go tell someone and stop it. That is also true. And they're, 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 the way to beat them, to, to kill them, is the... The scream of a woman. Um, so as as the episode progresses, we find out that each character set, you know, each couple set is having problems with communication. Um, you know, Buffy and Riley. They, they're hot. What's that? Appendix. Appendix. They're they're having they they can't tell each other their secrets because Riley's like a a military. Type guy and she's a vampire slayer. Um, Wait, is season four the season I'm thinking of? This I, is the season. This after... is the initiative. This is the one you hate. Oh yeah. man, I thought that was season three. Yeah, never mind. No. What I said earlier about it being one of the better seasons, yeah. I take that back entirely. This season was a pile of steaming garbage <laughs> and should be jettisoned into the sun. See, but that's not true. except for this episode. Except for this, this episode. episode, you can hang on to this one and everything else. Can <laughs> everything just be else has got to go straight into the sun. Um. Xander and his demon girl are having communication issues because she feels like she is unloved and that he needs to prove himself a little bit better. Uh, Who else is in this episode? We have Willow trying to get more out of her witch group. Um, Apparently, college, the college that they go to is a little more open-minded and they have a witch club. Um, The... Giles... It, like Giles. Giles, he uh, he he kicks everybody out of his house so he can have a booty call. Hmm. Which he f- rightly deserves. I mean, I'm sure he does, Darn but it, it's like I didn't see that coming. Uh, so over overnight, everybody's voice gets stolen. They wake up. They, of course, the shock of not being able to talk to each other, and then everybody over pronunciating everything so we can understand. Without subtitles, what they're trying to say, um, it's it, it it just progresses. And the reason I like this episode so much is, like I've seen a lot of horror movies and I've seen a lot of created villains. These guys are one of the scariest things I've ever seen on television. They have this this skeletal like face 
with this metallic grin. And I'm telling you, I watched it again today, probably about an hour and a half ago, and I've seen it before many times. And there's this one scene where Giles is, if I'm not mistaken, it's his girlfriend looking out the window, and one of them just passes by the window, and it gets me every time. It's like a split second, and I go, you son of a bitch, I knew that was coming, and it still gets me. They are some creepy motherfuckers. I mean, and they, and they, they really are. They have these these straight jacket wearing guys with them that they're they're the, they're the guys that hold, you know, the victims down as they're operated on, and they're like monkeying around all over the place. So as the the episode progresses, Buffy and what you call them appendix find out their each other's secrets. Uh, Willow finds out more about her. One of the girls from her witch group that she actually wants to be a witch and she, you know, practicing telekinesis and all of that. Um, Xander proves his love for his demon girlfriend by beating the crap out of Spike because at one point in time it looks from perspective wise that Spike has, you know, started to suck the blood of his girl, but he was actually just drinking a cold cup of blood from the fridge and she just happened to be asleep on the couch. Oh, situational comedy. Um, so as as the, 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 the epic battle happens at the very end, they're in a, a clock tower of sorts. And I noticed that one of the arms on the clock face, the, 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 the big arm, the one that tells the minutes, is an actual cross. And I thought that was a little odd to be in the middle of town. But um, Buffy and Appendix are in there fighting away and she sees the box in which the gentlemen store all of the voices in and she, uh, appendix bursts it open everybody gets their voice back and she proceeds to scream for what seems to be about a minute and a half without breathing um the death of these characters is it's like it's right out of like like a clown movie because they stand they they get all stiff and all of a sudden each one of their heads just bursts in this yellow goo it's amazing like it, it's stunning special effects <laughs> it is really a sight to see <laughs> um all in all one of my favorite episodes because no matter how hard buffy tried to be scary for me it never did it it never. It, I mean, it was an entertaining show, and I and I watched it for season upon season upon season, but it was just the, the show. This episode, at, at one point in time, throughout, it, it just gets me. It scares me at points, which is what I was looking for for the show. So, uh, as per Chris's request, uh, avoid the rest of season four, but oh, check out God. episode ten, which is called Hush. Yeah, good times. I uh, actually just recently finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time. It took us a good long while, because we started it. We started it, and then we got stuck. So we, we just had to take a break in the middle of season four, and life <laughs> happened for like a year and a half. Yeah, it did. Oh, we I thought I thought, and... I thought season four got so bad that you couldn't force yourself through it anymore. Well, no, we you had know a what? soldier on, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, Th- that uh, season was bad, but what was it, um... Seven was the last season, right? It was no, yeah. Seven was the last. Six, I think, was the one you hated six the most. Six was the one that I hate more than anything on the face of the earth. Like that was just the most offensive season of television I've ever seen. 
Is that the one where she gets a little sister, or is she already established? Uh, she no. was already established okay. by that point, I think. Um, no, it's the one where they just made all the characters do things like they just generally wouldn't do. It was uh. the one where, where Spike got all rapey, Xander left Anya at... Uh, at the altar, you know, b- because of TV, like not because of any actual character reasons or that they had already hashed out these problems in prior episodes, just because we want to shock you. It was the most horribly crappy, hacky TV. God, it was awful. But, uh, you know, show finished off pretty strong. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the show overall. And um, I remember watching this season and just thinking that it was dumb. Like it was really just. It was just dumb. It was Adam a, was a dumb villain. Yeah, it was a Riley's conquer of a dumb. season. It, it was, it really but was. unfortunately, you know, Hush is smack dab in the middle of that one, and that is one of my favorite episodes of, you know, the entire show. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't without its moments. Like, it's, you know, everything's got its moments, but uh, uh, th- th- I guess that's the kind of the connective tissue of Buffy is like, no matter how bad it gets, there's still the occasional moment. Except in season six, where it was just like <laughs> nothing. I, just... Except in season six, where the bright spot was once more with feeling. True, true, yeah. So there you go. There's there's bright spots <laughs> to everything. But Hush is um, it's on pretty much everyone's top ten Buffy episodes list for a good reason because it's amazing and I I mean the, this I like it because of the storytelling that they're able to do without any dialogue. Right. It's 20 I actually looked at the time the the episode is split in half with half of it being spoken word and the other half being completely you know dialogueless. And they did a fantastic job of conveying, you know, whatever story that they were trying to tell without, you know, using words. They did a really good job with it. And there was some pretty good like comedy with the miming. I I, go, I, I counted a while, six but... sexual references via miming. <laughs> there was one where Buffy was like trying to mime stabbing, but it looked like she was miming like Mas- jerking him off, <laughs> jerking off or something. How do you kill this guy? She does the universal sign for jerking off, and then proceeds to take out a wooden stake out of her purse and does it again. Didn't make it any better. <laughs> Yeah, there were some good laughs that came out of that. So, all right. Uh, Karen, what do you got for yes. me? I have, um, I have another show with a female hero, but uh, I, I got to go with Buffy on this one for uh, superiority. <laughs> nice. Strap yourselves in, folks. This is going to be pretty negative. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, we talked about Supergirl uh, when the season started, and I wanted to like it, and I still want to like it, <laughs> but this week, uh, they just got to some points that really, like, there are some things, there was a lot of things that were not realistic. Some things are just, like, not realistic in a TV sense, and then other things are like, come on now. <laughs> You can do better than this. We know you can. <laughs> oh, the, come the re- on. <laughs> the reason this show annoys me. Now, we, Chris and I talked about this. Um, this is from the same creators as, as Flash and Arrow, Greg Berlanti. Mm-hmm. So we know he can do better because he has done better. And um, we did talk about how Arrow was kind of rough at the beginning and it took a little while to figure itself out. Yes. But Arrow was also the first of this uh the DC Universe um, CW era TV shows and it had time 
And now Supergirl has competition from those shows, and it doesn't have that kind of time to figure its shit out. And it really shouldn't need it because it's coming from the same guy. Right. Um, but presumably the rest of the team that is different from the Flash team and the Arrow team needs to figure something else out. Yeah, I think um, when we were talking about it earlier, I mentioned that like the first season of Arrow was very distinctly like you're watching the CW. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like a lot of the problems of uh, of Supergirl is that it is very clearly a CBS show. Yeah, it like reeks it's, it's, of CBS. It does. It reeks of CBS. It's got that that I don't know what it is. There's something about the writing and something about the overall feel of it that's just like I don't know. You're watching CSI or something like that, or you're watching a. It it doesn't work for me, and it reminded me of why I typically don't watch anything else on CBS because <laughs> I don't really like a lot of their shows, and it, it's it's this kind of feeling that just I don't really know how else to describe it. It just it reeks of CBS. Well, to me, CBS equals lame <laughs> is the best yeah. way to put it. That's, well, yeah, that that works. That, you yes, know, that is a their good shows are kind of like they appeal to the like lowest common denominator. Everybody, you know can put on a CSI or whatever on the background, but do people really like it? Mm, I don't know. But it's, you know, it's not funny. It's not very sexy. It's not exciting. It's just kind of, like, clunky and lame. And, you know, I might have this on in the background, but I don't know if I want to devote any more active watching time to it. Um, oh, and the dialogue is pretty bad, too. Yeah. Yeah, yes. there was what you pointed out that they used the the line no promises not only twice in the same episode and not like intentionally winky like one person said it to the other and then that person said it back later. They're just two separate people in two separate occasions. They couldn't think of another way to get across that sentiment than by using the line no promises. Uh, ah. Lame. <laughs> you know. And I mean it has like like the f- Kara's apartment. Kara is Kara, excuse me. Kara is an assistant at a magazine and she has this beautiful, amazing, gorgeous loft apartment that she can just dive out the window as Supergirl. Okay, she doesn't no nobody that has that job in real life has that apartment, but that's a problem that's emblematic of TV, so I'm not going to hold that one against the show. But then, you know, there's later in the episode this so the premise of this episode part of it is that uh the boss of the magazine got a interview with supergirl and published it and made this big piece in their magazine about like just kind of ripping supergirl apart and uh not very favorable and as they're like getting ready to put this article to print Kara has gotten to proofread it and she comes back into her boss and she gives her a whole like ration of shit about like I don't think you should write this and uh, I don't think this is what she was trying to say and I think she was trying to say this and that and that's all fine but there's no way that the character of the boss that they have set up would have listened to any of that. Yeah, no, Allie McBotox would have kicked her right the hell out of her. Right the hell out of the office. Like, like that was without just... a jab, without a second thought. And she sat down on the couch opposite her boss and like had a conversation of like, what is happening right now? This is impossible. And like not only that, but she has done it before in yeah. this show. Well, they're, yeah. they're doing a visual action of trying to get what's her name to be softer. You know, Botoxy. They, I, I just like I explained earlier. I watched an episode today, the the newest one, and I was because I didn't watch this one. I was stunned to see some sort of interaction between the two of them. Going, 
I, did I miss something? Did all of, like did she get zapped with some sort of nice ray, and all of a sudden she's a nicer person? No, we, yeah, that, we, apparently that happened off camera between episodes. Oh, okay, good to know. Yeah, well, no, I think because uh, the episode you watched, Evan, happened after this one that I'm talking about, and in the end of this episode, Supergirl comes in and saves the magazine and saves her boss and saves everybody at the party. So I think that gives Cat uh, is her name. Uh, or Ali McBotox, if you prefer, <laughs> uh, a reason to kind of be nicer to Supergirl and give what, her... Okay, but what about... She's the, being nicer to Kara, and she doesn't know that Kara's Supergirl, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's my that's my point. Like, she has been a horrible, horrible person to, to, to Kara the entire time, and now all of a sudden she's just being nicer. I don't... I, I don't know. Why? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe she realized that Kara was right about Supergirl. And so she's given her a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, but I'm—I don't know. I'm not gonna—I'm not trying to make excuses for this show right now because it pissed me off. I'm gonna chalk it up to shitty writing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Shitty writing, like, um, so. And the other half of this episode is that there was a big uh, villain called Reactron. Oh, bad yeah, I, name. I, I looked at the I, as I'm looking up the IMDb description. I'm like Reactron. Yeah, really. They claimed- <laughs> They claimed it was a Superman villain. I don't know comics, so maybe it is. I've never, I never heard, heard of them, but at least they I, were clever enough to make a joke out of the fact that it was a terrible name. Yeah, I think they probably should have just called it Made Up a Tron. I don't know. Um, but this is a guy they claim faced off against Superman and several times, and Superman could never beat him, which, really? Superman could never beat him? Then it better be fucking, what's-his-face, Thanos? <laughs> that, that's... Like, that's, that's the kill- that's the level of villain that Superman can't beat. Not this fucking guy who turns out to be um, a scientist at a nuclear place that uh, you know the reactor went critical and he should have died, but instead he got a bunch of radiation and got super strong and was able to throw like uh, nuclear energy. But nobody could figure this out. Yeah, nobody, nobody could figure out who he was or how to beat him, which turns out how you beat him is you contain his like uh, reactor core in lead, which, yeah, that's pretty much how you beat anything with radiation is wrapped in lead. So why like Superman couldn't figure out any of this shit is just beyond me. It's I didn't buy it for a second. And then uh, and then. And, at, through this whole thing, she's like, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't want any help from my cousin. If they call him my cousin one more time, I swear I'm going to put my fist through something. But you know, she wants to do it on herself and not depend on Superman and be her own hero and all this stuff. And that is the point that pissed me off the most. He's your family. And yeah. he's been here longer than you have. And he's learned a lot about being a superhero on Earth. Not only why are you trying to keep him away, but why isn't he coming to National City to help you out in the beginning of your superhero career? Because he sent Jimmy. Well, that's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see Superman. Not the whole... He doesn't have to... It doesn't have to be the Superman and Supergirl show. Like, I'm not asking for that. Why doesn't Superman show up on one episode, hire somebody famous, do a one-episode guest star role... Of Superman, and have him like show her the ropes. Because honestly, what the hell is Jimmy going to teach her? 
Like, he doesn't know how to fly. He doesn't know how to use all I his mean, powers. She is figuring out her freeze breath, causes, like, major problems because she can't figure out her freeze breath, and her friggin' cousin knows how to use it and is pretty much the only person in the universe that could teach her how to do it. And he's like, nah, she'll figure this shit out herself. No worries. I'm busy. I think the only thing Jimmy Olsen could teach her is how to be smolderingly handsome. Mm. And dress well. He is a snappy dresser, that Jimmy Olsen. So James Olsen. Because he's bald and black, that means he's James Olsen. Well, the only reason and that J- James was sent to the show was just for sheer love triangle. That's exactly. it. Which, Which is so much fun, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. We've yay. never seen that one before. And and as for the uh, third leg of that love triangle, I don't even know that guy's name. I think it's Win. It might be Win. I don't know. But when you're t- compare the three shows, you've got Arrow, you've got the super nerd Felicity Smoke, you've got Flash, you've got the super nerd Cisco Ramon. Then you've got this fucking guy hmm. who's nope. like. So far, like, what has he done? He's, he took a, a spare office on the 12th floor and set up, like, a big techie lair. And, you know, he scans he helped, the he helped her police frequencies. With the costume. Yeah. He did. And he, he figured out that a Reactron was um, Douche Nuts McGillicuddy from the, uh, the nuclear power plant. So he's totally pulling his own weight. Yeah. And, like, even leave the superhero assisting skills aside. He's just lame. Like, he's got no personality. He's just a kind of a wet dish rag, and I don't give a shit. I don't, like, see the two of them together ever. No way. Nope. There's we have no chemistry. No. No. And then just to piss me off a little more at the end of the episode, you get to see on Kara's computer at work, at work, a little instant message conversation between Kara and Clark where they have a little typing back and forth. Hey, way to go. You beat that guy. Oh, thanks a lot. I couldn't have done it without you. (laughs) (laughs) It actually says Clark (laughs) because they're both in their secret identity mode at that point, I guess. You know, they they have a little cutesy conversation back and forth about, you know, you figured it out on your own and you're going to be okay and whatever, all this stuff. You're having this conversation over digital airwaves, like, on an electronic form of communication that couldn't possibly be hacked into or, it's like, It's in a media know. hub. Is it, like, the, like, isn't there, that... Like, there's so many problems with this. You both, you're the two biggest superheroes, supposedly, on the Earth, and you have secret identities, and you're using, like, a common... Totally vulnerable form of communication. And even possibly being monitored because you work for a news organization. You work for a newspaper. I mean, even if you're not a superhero, you don't want to use your work computer to do shit like that because HR is monitoring stuff, you know? Like, (laughs) Um, stupidish. Kara, we saw that you were contacting a superman (laughs) when you were supposed to be getting cat her coffee. <laughs> I don't know. See, I and that was the thing that that kind of irked me a bit afterwards because I remember watching it and I really liked that conversation between the two of them. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a cute conversation. It's just it was such a shame that it was happening under such really stupid circumstances because <laughs> it was a cute conversation to have like between Superman and and Supergirl. But like the words were nice, but just, you know we were this. It was this like delicious slice of ham and a turd sandwich. It's like. <laughs> not really worth the effort (laughs) you've got uh all these like you've got this you know organization the deo or whatever you've got two people who are from another planet 
you're on a show where you could pretty much make up whatever the hell you want and you don't make up some sort of like in- encrypted form of communication so you and your super cousin can talk have nerd guy whip it up you know like seriously Come on now. <laughs> no we're just going to hop on im and everything is going to be fine just going to log on to our AOL accounts <laughs> yes i was going to go that's MySpace. how old we are <laughs> well there you go know, that's that's how they're keeping it covert because nobody uses Nobody's AOL on instant messenger MySpace. they're literally Brilliant. the only two left doing it so yeah nobody's monitoring that shit <laughs> i guess i didn't think AOL of that because they didn't play uptick. the um they didn't play the little like the dial up sound. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beep boom. Yeah, that one. Got it. Exactly. So yeah, Supergirl, get your shit together because this is ridiculous. Get a cell phone. I'm sure you have his phone number. Yeah. Just Text just him. by Text. comparison, I'm reading uh the last book of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series and that's not even, there's no, like, superheroes or anything going on with that. And the girl with the dragon tattoo wants to call her friend, so she makes him go buy a special phone that can't be hacked, and then get a special app that can't be hacked on top of that, just so they can talk. And, like, you can't come up with this on the show? Really? No, it's already been done. They don't want to re- rehash anything from the girl with the dragon tattoo. No. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, speaking of ridiculous, honey... <laughs> Well, Karen, just think to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. I should really just relax. (laughs) (laughs) All All right. right. Chris, give us some love. Give us some mystery love. All right. Uh, (laughs) I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) I specifically thought about that phrase the entire time we were talking about Supergirl. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I've I've got nothing but great things to say about what I'm going to talk about. Um, well, first off, let me uh, just say that the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Kickstarter has been a success. Whoa. They have officially reached their Kickstarter goal, so there will be, at the very least, three new episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, the host will be Jonah Ray. Yay! I like. And Jonah. Uh, they haven't. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm I'm really stoked about it. I'm very. How very do you happy. feel about them recasting the voices for, you know? The the, the the puppets bots? yeah the bots I mean I am I'm kind of like you know back and forth on it because I love I love Trace and uh, Kevin Murphy but they were my first voices right they were the the pair that I first heard but when the show started Crow was Trace but Servo was J Elvis Weinstein okay. and then J Elvis left and then uh, Kevin Murphy took over for some Tom Servo until the end of the series. But then when it left uh, Comedy Central and went to Sci-Fi Channel, Bill Corbett took over for Trace Ballou as Crow. So both of the robots have had their voices changed once before, just like the host has changed once before. This is just the first time that it's all happening at the same time. I, so, I, I, I'm, a, I'm okay with the human host changing. I just have this weird thing about voice actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hear the same, you know, Tom voice. I... I definitely want to hear the same Tom voice, but at the same time, like I said, they've they've done it before, um, so there's not really any real reason that they can't do it again. And I understand Joel's perspective that he wants to have, you know, all fresh blood on on the show as far as like the main cast. So, <laughs> did you read? I get it. Did you read that? Yeah, I mean, I, of course, you read the article that he posted about like the top asked questions. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. And, and one of them was like, "Well, we, they really didn't get paid like they should." 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a big thing that goes way back on that show, and that's why uh, Riff Tracks is releasing new episodes, not new episodes, like they're putting episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 available for purchase on RiffTracks.com uh, so that all the parties involved will get paid for them. Right. Um, you know, is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that, that at the very least there will be some new Mystery Science Theater, that this has been at least some level of success. I'm I'm really happy about it. Not to uh, jump ahead to our main topic, but the, with the vo- changing of the voices, it's kind of like, you know, those were your bots, like it's ki- akin to you have your doctor. Mm-hmm. Whenever you jumped into Doctor Who, that's your doctor, and maybe you don't like any other doctor as much, but all the other doctors are just as good, and I'm sure the other bot voices will be right. just as good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In the in their own way, most most definitely. Um uh, I, yeah, I think Joel actually said in, in an interview he met, I think he likened it to Doctor Who. I think that was him. Uh and also oh. um <laughs> what's it uh Saturday Night Live, something like that. Like it just just something with a rotating cast was his original concept, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh it's it's I don't know. It's neat. I, I'm I'm I'll always going to be weary because I am I am a curmudgeon and I'm set in my ways as far as like I want it to be Joel and and the bots and I want the bots to be Kevin Murphy and Trace Ballou. But you know these guys could totally surprise me and make me super happy. So I'm sure we'll you see. will be no matter what. You're getting to see more yeah, mystery size theater you know. on TV. So I certainly will. I'm I am jazzed about it. But. I'm going to talk about my very favorite episode of Mr. Science Theater 3000, um, Mitchell, starring the uh, starring the ever huggable Jodon Baker. Um, <laughs> this episode is special for a couple of reasons. Um, it's one of their absolute funniest episodes. Uh, it's also Mike's first episode and Joel's last episode. So this was one of those episodes of the show that really kind of had a, a bit of a running narrative to it, as opposed to being a just a bizarre one-off like the series is. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to sound disparaging. Like, it's one of the cool things about the show is that it, narrative wasn't really its strong suit because it didn't need a narrative. It was like the entire narrative was like dudes stuck on a spaceship, mad scientists having there and forcing them to watch shitty movies. <laughs> um, so this one opens up with uh, Joel building a toothpick sculpture of uh, the, the, the building on the back of the nickel. And um, Servo and Crow show up, and uh, they're like, well, you know, we're going to have to break this because it's what we do. And Joel's just like, yeah, well, I mean, that's why I built it, so you can break it. And they're both very disappointed because, you know, it takes all the fun out of it when they're allowed to break things. <laughs> uh, and just there's a little throwaway joke in the beginning that always just makes me smile because it doesn't make any sense. They're asking, like, wow, where'd you get all the toothpicks? And Joel's response is, are you kidding? We're on a spaceship. This place is crawling with toothpicks. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I love it. And it just it just goes by, like, just just like that. Um, so they break the 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 this toothpick sculpture and have a good time and then like the episode starts going through its usual progress the mads call and um it, this time it's a it's tv's frank just kind of lounging eating some donuts and uh, he's like look we're we're super busy we're being audited uh we don't even have time for invention exchange this week what do you got and so joel shows off his invention exchange which is a doctari stool <laughs> which doesn't make any sense to me because i've never seen the 1966 tv show doctari that this is based on okay. but uh <laughs> from my research it was a show about doctors protecting animals from poachers and so this stool 
appears to be made out of one of the animals <laughs> from that show because it's zebra striped. <laughs> but oh, it, God. it just goes by like that. It's like the entire exchange is, it's a Doctari stool. Get it? What do you think? Uh, what? Uh. <laughs> Who knows what Doctari is? <laughs> anyway, so the mad scientists in Deep Deep Thirteen are being uh, audited by the um, the Fraternal Order of Mad Science. Uh, one of those <laughs> "Are you really mad enough?" things, mm-hmm. and um, so they hired a temp to clean up their mess uh, because the, you know Deep Thirteen is just an absolute mess, and that temp temp just happens to be. Mike Nelson. Mm. Uh, so he notices that uh, that he's like you know talking to Frank about different things, like his spare head uh, that he finds in a box, and he says, "Just file it under Frank's old head." Jeez. <laughs> uh, you know, he complains about being off his game because he's not used to wearing leg iron because they chained him up with leg iron when uh, when he's working there, which is fun because he can carry the leg iron around with him, so it's like not really doing much, but. He notices that Joel and the bots are up in space, and he's like, what's the deal with this guy and these cute robots? And um, uh, Frank gloriously says, listen, Mr. $4.25 an hour, you stick with the boxes, and I'll handle the experiment. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Frank Conniff's delivery was just is just phenomenal. I love that guy. Um, so as the episode goes on, uh, the, is, as far as the actual Mystery Science Theater part of it, um, the uh, gypsy, while you know Joel and the bots are off doing one thing or another, overhears the two of them talking about uh, firing Mike because he's a temp. But she comes into the conversation only hearing that they're talking about eliminating a bejumpsuited fool, <laughs> and so she thinks they're going to kill Joel. So she winds up teaming up with Mike to try to get Joel off the off the satellite of love, um, and eventually is successful by uh, like Joel, not Joel, uh, Mike. He's like going through like this the ship's manifest down in deep thirteen, and he uh, he finds that there was an escape pod hidden in a box of hamdingers, uh, and of course nobody would find it because nobody likes hamdingers. I don't know what a hamdinger is, but but it's a funny word. But it's a funny word. Uh, and there's another great exchange because um they need a he just needs Frank's keys in order to access the uh, remote access of the the escape pod. So he just looks over to Frank and says, "Hey, can I borrow your keys?" So he tosses him his keys, and, <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> and Frank, being the dim-witted, wonderful man that he is, walks in and says, Hey, what did you need my keys for? He's like, Oh, I thought you left your lights on. It's like, Hey, I don't have a car. <laughs> what did you give me your keys for? Uh-huh. I don't know. I thought I left my lights on. <laughs> he just walks away all sad. Oh, it's great. Uh, and so Joel uh, jumps in the uh, the escape pod and, and escapes the satellite of love and lands safely in the Australian outback, unfortunately not on top of Yahoo Sirius. Um, but it, it's it's great. As he's leaving, they, um, they, he opens up the, uh, the the hex field, which is this little window thing in the background, which is of, of the satellite of love set, which is clearly there's no like screen there. It's not like they're superimposing. It's just more of the set behind it. And Joel's just like sitting there as if it's supposed to be in another place displaying on a screen. And then his quote unquote signal starts breaking up and they're just throwing white confetti across. <laughs> and you see it landing inside the satellite of love. It's that's just the- like that kind of production value is one of the things that makes this show so great. It's just it, yeah. like it's just kids making up a show. Hey kids, let's put on a show. Like it's so and, endearing. Except somehow got on TV. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And he leaves a quote from the Circus of Doctor Lou and uh, everyone's confused and then um you know, Frank has to break the news to Dr. Forrester that he let Joel escape from the satellite of love. And uh, they're all yelling like, oh, what are we going to do? Who are we going to get to run the experiments? And then Mike comes up and asks uh, 
if they would sign his time card and they both have the idea to shoot Mike into space and that's how Mike takes over on uh, Mystery Science Theater. Did he did he get paid? I no. Oh, no, I don't think so. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm pretty sure they uh, as as according to the um uh see uh, the opening credits in the following episode they bonked him on the noggin and they shot him in the space. <laughs> and that was that. So the movie um <laughs> Oh, the movie. Oh, the movie. Del- delicious, delicious movie. <laughs> yes. So Mitchell, starring Jodan Baker, is a um, was, is like a, a 70s cop action movie, mm-hmm. but like in the absolute worst way imaginable. So it's, it, Jodan Baker stars as the titular character Mitchell, who is a um, drunk womanizer... Uh, ugly as the day is long, um, really, really unappealing person, and um, he goes to a. He's like on a ride along. He's just he's like passed out in the back of a police car. No explanation for this. He's just like these cops are driving around, and he's just like drunk and passed out in the back seat. No idea what's going on. Uh, John Saxon and uh, some other idiots come home with like a bunch of like drunk girls. And they come home to John Saxon's house and find that it's being robbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so instead of, like, calling the police or whatever, John Saxon gets all, like, I'm going to get my gun and I'm going to murder this this robber because of bloodlust and reasons. <laughs> and so he kills the guy and um, then calls the cops and frames him with one of his many guns saying, oh, he pulled this gun on me. Now, Jodan Baker, uh, Mitchell, being the super cop that he is, he looks at the crime scene and is like, oh, the, this guy, this is there's clearly foul play here. Uh, so uh, he he looks at everyone and talks to everyone, and then it jump cuts to him at the uh, the police precinct, and his like angry boss having like, you know that scene that they make fun of in cop th- cop <laughs> comedies all the time, where like, oh, you're gonna make me mad, Mitchell. You're you're a loose cannon, Mitchell. <laughs> like they're having that conversation, <laughs> and it's so ridiculous. Because he's like, oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get this guy. I think John Saxon's name was Deanie in the movie or something. I don't know. The names are all ridiculous. Like, it turns out he's involved with this other thing with Merlin Olson, who is a, a, a bringing in heroin, and so like you got this weird plot that splits halfway, and there's mob ties with these guys, Mistretta and Galano, and you never really meet any of those characters. I think Mistretta or Galano shows up at one point, but they make this great ongoing joke throughout the episode. Or every time somebody's on the phone, like, talking to either Mistretta or Galano about Mistretta or Galano, and then that was Mistretta. Or maybe it was Galano. Who knows? It just goes back and forth. This movie's so freaking stupid. It's unbelievable that something like this got made. Linda Evans is in it. Like, mm-hmm. and she's, like, she's just in this movie, and she's kind of a name. Like, and I guess Jonan Baker was kind of a name. He... he got a TV show after that, for Christ's sake, and I shied, and he was in Walking Tall, and I don't understand the draw of him. He is he is horrible. <laughs> He's just an absolutely awful creature. Just ugh, gross. And the movie just keeps going on and on, and it never makes him likable, like, at all. Never shows him in some sort of positive light. Like, it's, it's almost like it's trying to show the fact that he's a lazy, drunken slob, as endearing, like, oh, this is this is why guys like Mitchell. But, uh... No, no, it's it's why everyone hates Mitchell because he's he's awful. There's even there's like this Randy Newman style theme song about him. Oh my god, I forgot all about that song. This this is unbelievable. Like I've watched this episode a million times, but like 
every now and then I really try to stop and listen to the lyrics of this song. And it's, it's just this guy singing this really like old, how do I even describe it? Like a, like, like the kind of music you'd hear on a dude ranch or something, but he's singing about Mitchell. He's like a, my, 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 my Mitchell. And it's, what is happening? And the first time you hear this song, this like like click clop uh, happy day at the dude ranch song, is during a sex scene between Joe Don Baker and Linda Evans, where he reaches while in the act reaches like for a beer can with his toes, grabs like the 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 circle thing that kills dolphins. You know, like he just grabs that with his toes and then cracks the beer. Oh God, it's repugnant. It is so incredibly repulsive. <laughs> and like they're, you know, Joel and the bots are just screaming, covering their eyes the whole time. Like, why would anyone want to do this with Mitchell? <laughs> uh, but probably the highlight, the, the, the highest highlight, I mean, besides like the... The, the chase scene, uh, the, the car chase that's as fast as, like, it's going, like, 25 miles an hour, and there's a guy who's downshifting an automatic. Um, oh, there's so many great scenes in this. Probably the highlight is this completely inexplicable scene where... So Mitchell's staking out Merlin Olsen's house, right? Because he knows he's up to something with heroin for some reason. And he's, he's parked outside, and this kid on a skateboard just rolls up to him. And the two of them have like this this who's on first style conversation that makes no sense, is related to nothing else in the movie, and just results in Mitchell getting angry and the kid skating away on a skateboard. But I've never seen like the, the Joel uh, or the bots lose it as hard as they did during this scene because it's the most infuriating thing to watch. They're just they're just copying each other over. It's like watching two two year olds argue. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this episode is phenomenal. This show is phenomenal. Um, but this was this was really one of those things where like like sometimes. You know, the, watching the movies is always funny to a certain extent. The the in between segments, the host segments, especially like when you got later with like Brain Guy and Bobo and uh, and Pearl, they weren't always funny. Like sometimes they were just uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. the, the movie watching is always good. This is one of those those episodes, and really from this time was when I feel like MST was the best. And this was just, every note hits it in <laughs> and out of the movie theater, just knocks it out of the park. This episode is phenomenal. I want to I want to read the IMDb plot summary for Mitchell 1975. Ooh, please do. <clears throat> it's it's very short. I think it's actually one sentence. Jodan Baker is Mitchell, a hard-nosed, soft-bellied cop with a with an affinity for porn and schlitz. Oh, excuse me, it's two sentences. His latest assignment has him engaging in no-speed car chases, yelling at children, Shooting innocence and sloppily carousing with Linda Evans. <laughs> oh God! So there's a scene where he's spying on Merlin Olsen, and there's a guy standing outside of his car next to him. They have a brief conversation about like what time it is and minding their own business, and then the guy starts running away, and Mitchell shoots him. <laughs> Just wow. <laughs> <laughs> just shoots him down. No negative repercussions for this. Just shoots the guy right there. It's fantastic. fantastic. I, I do like the no speed car chases. I it just yeah. that phrase just makes me I laugh. I believe uh, 
Crotey robot <laughs> said of it, this makes driving Miss Daisy look like bullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then jokes all the bo- all the like all the jokes from the from Joel and the bots in this are great oh, yeah. too. There's uh there's hot a- merging action. <laughs> <laughs> they they at one point in the movie they throw a guy in the water and Tom Servo goes, So long, chum <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Chum <laughs> <laughs> It's like the very end of the episode too. Like so the first time I saw this, alright, so my my history with this episode goes um Doom for PC uh, I had no idea what Mystery Science Theater was, but I got a mod kit for Doom, and one of them was MST Doom, and it had a bunch of, like, just phrases for Mystery Science Theater playing over the sound effects in Doom, and one of those sound effects was Mitchell, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> a friend of mine uh, in high school had a tape of Mystery Science Theater episodes after I discovered what it was, and had the end of Mitchell on it, and... God, it's it was just so freaking funny. So the first part I saw was the very end of Mitchell, and like there's this scene where he's you know, going through his apartment trying to find out if anyone else is there, and he like he kicks open a door of his closet and and turns on the lights, and they go surprise, happy birthday to you. <laughs> <laughs> he goes around the corner of the kitchen like, all right, kitchen freeze. It's fantastic. Just their their timing is spotless. This is really one of their best. It is laugh out loud funny all the way through, and if you've never seen Mystery Science Theater before, there's a handful of episodes that would be good starting points. But really, this is this is the best. This is, in, in my opinion, it doesn't get much more tight and flawless than this. And it it, it obviously helps that a crappy Joe Don Baker movie was just so easy to poke fun of. But it's just it's phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal stuff. Oh, that's re- that's such a relief. That all that negativity from the first two parts, and now a good hearty laughter. I love it. All right, um, we're gonna take a quick break. Please listen to our sponsors, and when we get back, we'll be talking uh, Doctor Who. Stay tuned. Chris has let his Pokemoning slide. His Zubats are atrophied. His Wartle is bored. His Game Boy is covered in dust. What has gone wrong? Will he ever find out what Team Rocket is up to? Will you have to start all over again following the latest Nintendo news? Get the answers to all of these burning questions and more in Pokemon Propitiation, Day 398. The Flash TV show has finally given us our first proper look at this season's big bad, Zoom. What other secrets did this episode hold, and where can we expect things to go from here? Don't miss Tony of Comic Book Fans United telling it like it is in Flashbacks. Enter Zoom. Professional wrestling and video games go together like burly men and leotards. But of all the great wrestling games that have been made over the years, only one features a mysterious Mexican in a skin-tight pink suit with a star on his face, a green man who eats people's heads, and a pale blonde man who boasts about how slender he is. So why hasn't Nintendo given us the chance to play with these colorful characters on our modern TVs? Don't miss the latest Lost in Time entry, Pro Wrestling. A winner is you. Also, tacos. Fuck yeah, tacos. <laughs> the final Hunger Games movie is about to hit theaters, but this franchise has been criticized by more than a few for being derivative. But really, how derivative is it? Aaron Abamandi has written a very thoughtful piece that dives into the history of kids being pitted against one another for sport. Don't miss A History of Grizzly Tradition, located in the Think Tank. 
You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you for listening. Um, Abamondi, for all of those that were actually paying attention. Well done. I know, right? I got that. You I, nailed it. I got it down nailed pat it. now. Um, so our main topic this week is Doctor Who. And conveniently Ooh. enough, we have a Doctor Who aficionado on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just a little bit of a Whovian. <laughs> just a little bit? <laughs> just a little bit. Only since 19... You, <laughs> you, you know the other Doctors. Like the one with, the, the, with the, 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 the scarf thing and... Yeah, so um, I made the trek of trying to catch up. I have seen a. I'm gonna what from the 2005 series. Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Yeah, that's that's technically known as new series. I have seen if just about all of the new series. Um, we do we want to specifically talk about this season, or do do you do you want to shine and and explain to us the, the past? Briefly. I think, yeah, I think we want to talk this season. <laughs> yeah, I think people, if they're listening, they know Doctor Who. And if they don't, they should. They should go and check it out. And if you like this show and you like the things we talk about, you're going to like Doctor Who. And I don't know why you haven't watched it already. But very true. go back and start at the beginning. <laughs> All the way at the beginning. 19 what 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 <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, start back at the beginning of new series. Uh, classic series is not for everybody. It has a special place in my heart, but it's it's a product of its time. <laughs> well said. Um, all right. So as it was explained to me when I had to catch up for season nine, just about the whole season is two-parters, which I really liked. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Okay. You did not? <sighs> The, here, here's how the season was presented to me before I got to see it was that they released all the episode titles and so uh, the first eight episodes well kind of all 12 episodes really each pair of episodes consecutively their names were related mm-hmm. and then when the showrunner Stephen Moffat actually he's not the showrunner but he is the executive producer when he was asked so are these two-parters? Are some of them two-parters? Are none of them two-parters? He said, I want you to be able to watch these and never be able to tell whether or not it's a two-parter okay. until we actually get to the end and it says to be continued or not. Failure. <laughs> well, ball, if that's ball, what ball. you want, then you have to make some of them not two-parters. <laughs> Otherwise, I get to the end of part one and I just want to punch you. <laughs> uh, because they're all two partners. You, 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 did you watch them like real time? Like you didn't. We binge? did watch them oh, real time. No, we we are too uh, oh, too got, loyal of fans. Oh, we gotta get it in us as soon as we can. That's that. I, all right, I can understand that being a problem for you. I got to binge watch it, so I really didn't have to wait for anything. Um, highlights. I, I'm just gonna glaze over some some highlights. Uh, the bootstrap paradox him yes. actually bringing that up in the under the lake before the flood two-parter mm-hmm. and he looked because he, he's doing a looking at the camera talking to me right. bit and he said google it and i stopped and i googled it 
And I was like, this is ingenious. <laughs> and it's and it's like, okay, if you've read anything I've written about Doctor Who on geekade.com this season, you're going to you might be a little bored cuz you've heard me say this stuff before, <laughs> but it that's not any kind of new concept that we've never I mean, we've seen it in Back to the Future when Marty goes back and affects his future by t- doing things in the past. But this is, uh, you know, Doctor Who's take on it, and it was really cool. <laughs> the whole Beethoven, and at the very end, referencing it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're so smart, Doctor. That's why they are a doctor. That's that's why he's the Doctor. <laughs> Nobody um, else could be the Doctor. So, okay, the, the first set was the uprising of the, the Daleks again. Mm-hmm. I thought he, you know, didn't he kill them all? They always find a way to bring them back. They, but there's a lot of them, each and every time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the creator of the Dalek, the Daleks, Daleks. How do you say Dalek? Dalek. Daleks. I've always said Dalek. Okay. Yes. The creator. Right. The Daleks. That's yes. Uh, apparently, the Doctor <laughs> fucked over the the creator of the Daleks. <laughs> Is that at, at the very beginning of the episode with the kid with the hand mines? That was the same well, kid? I mean, he, he it bounced. was the same kid. <laughs> he left, but then he came back. He It seemed to me in that instance like he didn't know quite what to do. Because, you know, he did. He already, at that time, he knew that that kid grew up to be Davros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see, like, the doctor at the later point in his life encounter Davros at a very much earlier point in his life where he didn't know what he was going to become, but the doctor did. Right. Right. It's kind of like, you know, what about Hitler? Like, you know, would you, if you went back in time, would you kill Hitler as a baby or kill Hitler's mom before she had Hitler? Like, this is that version of, their Mm -hmm. version of it. Well, and they've led us very much to believe that, yeah, he would. He bounced. Mm-hmm. And then that ended horribly for him because of the whole uh, capturing. and back to save him, though, didn't it? At the very he end did. of the second part. Mm-hmm. But, see, like now, that's the whole time fuck-up continuum thingy. If he went back to save him, why was he so pissed off? Because he's Davros and he's evil. Okay, that's the, that's the explanation. Yeah, Davros is just a dick. Okay. Yeah, he was always going to be evil, but the fact that the Doctor went back and saved him gave him that little bit of mercy that ended up into the Daleks, which, really, that's how, if you're the Doctor, you fuck up Davros, is you, like, takes, if you, you find a way to make the thing that he created to be the most evil and hatred-filled thing on the world and put something good into it, like... That that's a win for the doctor. Just like a skosh of good. Just yeah, a, a, a exactly. Smidgen. <laughs> and he knew that was all he was ever going to be able to manage with that kind of creature, but it, it's enough. Um, I don't remember when Missy first showed up. Oh my god, I love Missy. She so is like what she is the she's like amazing. <laughs> Michelle Gomez is outstanding. I mean, the master is always a good time, but this interpretation yeah. is just. Is just delightful. I it, it, the fact that every time they say she's she's a time lord and she goes time lady, mm-hmm. <laughs> I paid a lot for this form. She actually yeah. said that once. <laughs> uh, she, at the 
you know, the beginning of, of the, the first two, Clara and, and Missy sort of team up to save the Doctor. And in turn, it seems that Missy is going to, you know, get Clara killed by the Doctor. Which I don't understand how Missy thinks that's going to work out because the Doctor wouldn't do that. Wouldn't shoot, a do- uh, you know, any... Wouldn't kill anything point blank. If it's in, you know, some sort of situational thing and everybody happens to die, okay, so be it. But I don't think he would cold-bloodedly do that. No, he wouldn't. But if I don't know if you've been paying attention to Missy at all, she come fucked up in the head. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she crazy. Yeah, that's why she thought it would work. she's super smart, though. <laughs> she's... She's super, super, so she's a genius, but she's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? Like, you, you had the first one that was, like, this super awesome Dalek thing, and then you had the, the, the second... What was the second set of two-parters? The second um, set of two-parters... Was it the Viking... It was with, um... What's her name? Oh, that was the Maisie Williams ones. Yeah, from... That one was, like... I mean, my, my biggest gripe, I think, was the same with Karen on that one, is that those two... Those two both should have existed, but they should have not played them back to back. Like, I think the second episode of Macy Williams would have been more impactful. Like, a few later in the down season down the road, I'll, I'll agree with but, that. But however, I have to say now that I've seen the previously or not the previously the coming attractions for episode ten that she uh, is going to be in again. I guess yeah. I can kind of see why they crammed her together twice early in the season. I still say if, you know, the first one she was in was three, and then they put the two, like, flood episodes, and then her second episode, and then the third one she's in is ten. Mm-hmm. That would that would have just flowed better for me. Yeah. I got you. The, 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 the set of flood ones were tied in together very nicely. Yeah. Um, the girl who died and the woman who lived, outside of it being the same characters, uh, one... Yeah, yeah, really had nothing really, to do with the other. Related, exactly, yeah. they so weren't they really sh- to be continued. So why were they like to be continued and back to back like that? Well, yeah, it was silly. Doctor Who, uh, and then the third set was the Zygon invasion. That was that was that was that was good times. I remember watching that one and thinking, like, by the time it got to the end of that episode, being like, all right, they really need to to do something special with this second half of the two parter because I don't see how this couldn't have been wrapped up in one episode and then they did the second part and like there was that 15 minutes of the doctor giving this absolutely incredible speech and i was like well there it is they couldn't have fit that in the first episode with the rest of the story i don't care what else happened that shit was incredible and and i like i said earlier that i think that speech was made just that much better by him saying this is like the 15th time we've done this so that means he's he's convinced them 15 plus times to just say, okay. It, it lends a lot to the, the performance of the rest of the episode where he's like, we, we've done this already. Like, yeah. Come on, let's let's get on with it. Right, right, right. Um, and then so far, the final one that has aired, I don't even know what today's date is, uh, was Sleep No More. Um, uh-huh. Okay, I get motion sick uh-huh. watching found footage shit. Mm-hmm. So not the biggest of fans of this. Mm-hmm. episode visually and what are they tr- what were they trying to do nobody knows no one knows that's that's the biggest problem i have with this episode is like what the hell was the point of it and when you put it 
in there with all the rest of these other great episodes that we talked about where like we loved all of them they were all great they had great concepts they had great acting the stories were all fantastic and then this thing like what the hell is this i it, what the hell is it it was i it felt like it was an incomplete story almost exactly and like the the monologue that the scientist uh gave at the end where he was like oh it's you know just like a dream and you know just telling you a story to keep you asleep or whatever like it seemed like it was like just you know this was all a dream kind of episode which first of all fuck that kind of episode yeah (laughs) and second of all like okay so this was all a dream and you know we're all gonna you know wake up tomorrow and like this didn't really happen then why did we have to spend a week watching it Mm -hmm. like why couldn't have we seen a better story this week there's two things that television shows do that i hate one action scene 72 hours earlier uh-huh. hate that god then the whole episode it was only a dream what i hate and this why? episode had both of those things yes <laughs> but see i didn't get the whole saying that it was only a dream it looked to me like he was telling you that he basically won like he he told this story so that you would watch this video um but he he didn't just tell the story, he filmed this story. So these things happened. He made this video to tell this story to keep you watching so that you would get infected with the eye gunk thing <laughs> and then turn into eye gunk monsters. In my family, so like, we call that puck. I don't know if what you guys call it. <laughs> I call it eye gunk. But, I mean, so when it ended and Clara was, she was infected by it and... This guy basically just told everyone that, you know, everyone, so, so everyone who lived got away on the TARDIS, and then he's like, well, this video is out there. People are going to see this, and I accomplished exactly what I set out to accomplish. So, and then it ends. Mm-hmm. But what was, see, now, I, I, I found this, this fascinating, because my experience watching this went as such. Okay, uh, we're skipping the intro. That makes me sad. I really like the intro of Doctor Who, but I've never seen it do that before. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I don't really like found footage things too much. Eye gunk monsters? Okay, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Wait a minute. Something's not right here. This is weird. This show's smarter than this. And then by the time I get to the end of the episode and everything is coming together, and the, more or less coming together, and the Doctor is running away saying... This doesn't make any sense. Something is wrong. And I'm thinking, okay, this show knows that something is wrong. They're they're screwing with me intentionally and not in a Glenn is under the dumpster kind of way. <laughs> they're screwing with me intentionally to build to something. And this is something that I've missed about Doctor Who was that Doctor Who is since I've been watching it in the 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 modern stuff, the 2005 series, when it was at its best was like like stuff like bad wolf you know Mm -hmm. it'd be like this little there'd be a thing that pops up somewhere and it's like boy that's weird there is a thing but there is a thing popping up in this there is yes there there is a thing popping up in this in this season and that's why i'm so happy about this season because ever since i I feel like um primarily with the the russell t davies to stephen moffat flip all the stephen moffat seasons have just been like Build, 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 universe-shattering event. event. Okay, now we're going to take things back, I swear. No, we're not. Build, 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 giant... We're going to erase existence. Time itself isn't... Like, he just builds to these giant 
cataclysmic events over and over again. It's like, what happened to this sense of adventure that this show used to have? There used to be like, and now we're going to go off and do a thing, and there's going to be something that builds in the background instead of just, here is one giant overarching story that is so monumentally reality itself, time itself. There's like the ultimate of ultimates, and you thought that was ultimate? This is ultimate, ultimate, ultimate. Times ten! Times a million! It's so spectacular! It's like... Just give me room to breathe. Just give me a fun TV show about science fiction and then intelligently build to something like that. And they hadn't been doing that for a while. And even though it's been very cool when they do do it, like the Pandorica and all that shit, it's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. They've earned they, they earned it each time, but always with me kind of gritting my teeth watching it. Like, you can do better than this. And I wish that they would. And especially last season... Like, I felt like the transition to Peter Capaldi was very wonky. I already didn't care for Clara, which made me sad because I wanted to like that character, but then they had no clue what to do with her past her main Mm storyline. And now they just all of a sudden, a light switch went off on this season, and Capaldi is murdering the role. Karen said it perfectly where she said that you can see all 12 doctors in him, and it is so right. He is at all times. Mm -hmm. At all times. He's a. It's not like, oh, well, then, you know, now I can see him do being second doctor. And now he's like fifth doctor. Like, he's all of them all the time. And like, and he bears the weight of that. Yes. In his performance as the, the well. The gravity of what he's doing. And he didn't have that last season. Like, and I think it was because they were just playing on the whole, like, you know, he's he's regenerated and he's trying to figure out what kind of a what kind of a man he is. I got over that in like two episodes and they kept it going all season long and I was just annoyed because I wanted to like him so much and the show was stopping me from doing it every single time it just find something wrong and for some reason this season they just clicked he is killing it Clara is entertaining she's amusing she's she's a perfectly good companion and the stories are while building towards something they're 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 contained enough that they're their own things now granted they're two-parters and the fact that like what Karen said that they promised that they would be one thing and they're turning into another it's not bothering me as much because I didn't know that going into it uh, to, to the extent that Karen did. But on the same token, like there's still these stories are self-contained. Like if somebody was watching this for the first time, if they watched one of these two parters, they'd be more or less okay. And I didn't hate this episode just because of the goodwill that this season has earned with me of being able to pay off when I don't think that they can. And the fact that it was acknowledging that this story is ridiculous and that something is wrong. Like, it doesn't make sense. The fact that they were acknowledging it makes me confident that they're going to they're going to pay, pay it off in the end. I don't know when. I don't know how. And, and just having it be this weird, random, one-off episode and then moving on to something else before this actually fits, before this actually contains itself, because that's what seems to be happening. The next episode doesn't seem like it's going to be related I'm kind of excited about that because I want to know how this is going to pay off. I want to know how they're going to resolve whatever they just put into play because I don't even know what that is. And for me, I'm kind of excited by it. So so we're under the assumption that this is going to be a, a two-parter as well? I'm not, I, know, I wouldn't say it's a two-parter. I'm personally under the assumption that 
this puts something into motion that they're going to explain later, that when it shows up, I'm going to be like, oh. Those are my favorite moments. Those happen quite often in Doctor Who. They do. And, they do. And I, 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 that's very, 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 and they very well may do that. What bothers me is that they've spent this entire first half of the season saying to be continued, to be continued, to be continued. This is the first time they didn't say that, and they should have. Did, yeah. <laughs> did they actually tie together the girl who died and the woman who lived with the to be continued? They, put, they did. Yes, they put that title card okay. up at the end, and it's a, like... Mm. I, I, I don't know. I mean, when, um, when did we first meet Clara? Matt um, Smith. Um, yeah, the the Dalek episode. She okay. was inside the Dalek. Okay, because I, I that's, that's right. what I was so interesting. I remembered yeah, that, and I thought I was making it up because as soon as I saw that uh, Missy was trying to get her trapped in that, I was like, are they tying this back all the way to there? I thought so too. Yeah, and I was like, did I make that up in my head? <laughs> and they didn't really. Um, go back to that very much but just as a fan to see that you know to see her back inside of a Dalek but to be kind of aware of it instead of the you know her first appearance she was like I don't know where I am mm-hmm. and that that just as a fan seeing that that was a really cool thing oh uh, yeah I made up my own, own little story like between the two that she's in there so long she can't remember and that blah 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 blah, blah. but then she got out and I was like oh <laughs> all right she's okay <laughs> Yeah, like Missy could have done a lot of different things to get Clara, to put Clara in danger, but that they chose to do that with her, and that was neat. So, the last when when what did, when was the last we saw Missy? She pieced out at the end of the Dalek episode. Okay, did she? She got zapped, right? Well, she got no. She got well. She supposedly got killed by a Dalek, but she had a um the vortex manipulator that she used the first arm. time that she said right. she lost in the first transport yeah but i mean at the end of the episode the doctor was just like yeah yeah bullshit she'll be back right. <laughs> like yeah really they'll explain it i mean and or they won't you they know? don't even really have <laughs> like, to like know. it's kind of we're just really given forgiving at this on point. that aren't we <laughs> i mean how did how ex- let's see the last time we saw the master before he became missy like, it was that special episode where he was like, didn't he, like, blow up Gallifrey or something like that? Or stop Gallifrey from coming back? And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, he was annihilated at the end of that. Like, his very existence demolished from everything. And then he shows back up as Missy, and who cares? Because it's too cool. Um, yeah, and if you go back to classic series, and this is where I push up my glasses and become super nerd, but also my classic series knowledge comes into a little bit of helpful play here is the master's always done that the master is always like there was a conceit in the classic series that a time lord could only regenerate 12 lives for uh, 12 times for a total of 13 lives and so when you meet the master initially in the classic series he's like late in his regenerations and eventually he gets killed and it's supposed to be his last life and then what 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 he he comes back somehow and like they made up some bs thing that he came back but who cares the master's back he's a great villain we don't want him to ever go away and every time since then that he's come back it's always been like oh he made up some bullshit and he came back i, I don't know whatever so by going by, what he does. by that logic though this i remember when 
Peter Capaldi was coming on that this was supposed to be his last regeneration because they second to last, but yeah, but but I thought it was his last because they threw the the war doctor in 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 to cover yeah, that one missing before one. he before he turned into Peter Capaldi on that last episode when um he called on Gallifrey to help when Matt Smith called on Gallifrey for help mm-hmm. they barfed another twelve regenerations at him oh got himself a fresh set of regenerations I didn't remember yeah, it, that part because he's. When when he is being siphoned by the um, by the Daleks to mm-hmm. and then that whole sewer thing, I was like, wait, how? I can't. I didn't remember. I like, I thought he's out of the juice. Like, how he was done. Like, how does he still have that regenerative property? No, basically, a wizard did it. Uh, it doesn't matter. He, <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> he he punched a block, got a free mushroom, and moved exactly. on. Exactly. Got it pretty much. <laughs> um. So far, I'm really enjoying the whole season. I, I it, There's been so many bits and pieces that I was like, oh, man, that was really awesome. Very, very few, like, eh. And there's not been a single point where I was like, oh, that was horrible. So, No, and I think uh, between what I wrote for the site and the way I've talked about it that Chris, <laughs> among other people, might think that I hated this last episode, and I didn't. It's still Doctor Who. It's not great. It, it wasn't great Doctor Who, but uh, it's pretty good. And the whole the whole this season, series nine, has been outstanding. Yeah, it's. I think the thing that's most bothersome about this is that it it did not hold up to the standards that this season is set so far because. This season has just been nailing it. They've just been nailing it. And um, this this episode really reminded me of um, I don't I don't remember what season it was or which doctor it was, but they were underground um, in in like a cavern of sorts fighting the um, the angels. Mm. Do you remember that? This season? No, 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 no. This was a couple of, a previous doctor. I want to say okay. it was the last one, but I'm not 110 on that. It was uh, Matt Smith and. Um, River showed back up or something, right? Yes. And they were yeah. like in that giant cave system and the yeah, yeah. constantly yeah, on the run, you know, looking behind. Like it just it felt very reminiscent of that. Um, and I don't, I did, I do not like found footage. I did note, no. I did note that when they, they kept switching cameras, and I'm like, the doctor doesn't have a camera; it's coming out of his eyes. That's Clara's view. Why are we seeing that like that? Because I was kind of hoping I'd get like steady cam when when they those we were looking from them, and they did comment on it, you know, later on. Yeah, so. a lot of those things I I saw coming, like the the fact that Clara got pulled into the sleep pod, and then later, like she had the same, you know, camera vision as everybody else in the episode. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I do like there. the little every once in a while they do like a, a tie in for why shit's going wrong, like um, the 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 lake one, the the flood that mm-hmm. everybody who read the, the the scratch marks in the side of this ship mm-hmm. they became oh, yeah, the be- like and just the one guy i was like why isn't what oh okay i see what you did there nice yeah i think that was a much clever way, cleverer way of doing that than than what they did in this episode yes but like i i think i i almost feel like that's intentional like the fact that this is that story that we've seen on doctor who a ton of times where he shows up somewhere um and then there's a you know there's a bunch of mercenaries and there's the big dumb one and here's the smart one and then he outsmarts everyone shows him how smart he is to take control of the situation like it played out like countless episodes we've seen before like very cookie cutter Mm -hmm. 
And at first I looked at it like that's this is I can't believe they're doing this. Like this is really lazy. And then by the end of it I'm like they're doing this on purpose. I I don't know if I'm giving them too much credit, but if I am, I'm going to be very disappointed if I'm if if my suspicions are right and that this was all very intentional. I think it's pretty clever. But well, you know, we'll see. This was if I'm not mistaken written by Mark Gatiss who is uh you know, was one of the more prominent new series writers and uh <laughs> he deserves a lot of credit he deserves you know a lot of faith to to uh say whatever he's done he's done intentionally and he has a reason and whatever and uh, and so i'm i'm standing back here I, 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 I'm, I'm ready to i'm ready to believe it but you got to show it to me because i didn't see it i'm, I'm looking back it. at his previous ones and the newer like it was sleep no more Robots of Robot of Sherwood. I wasn't a big fan of that episode. That was hysterical. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, uh, Crimson, that was just fun. Crimson Horror, Cold War, Night Terrors, Victory of the Daleks, The Idiot's Lantern, and The Unquieted Dead. Those are the eight or so that he has written. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I guess he's 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 one of the stable writers. So that. Yes, he deserves credit and our hopes and dreams that this will come to some fruition at some point in time. It's also worth mentioning that he's uh, he, him and his buddy Stephen Moffat co-created another another fabulous BBC show called Sherlock. Yes. Um, so Ooh. maybe maybe isn't he in Mark Sherlock G- also? Yes, he's yeah, Mycroft. He's Mycroft. We have to talk about that on this at show at some point eventually. in time. We will. Yes, uh, a podcast for another podcast. <laughs> Uh, um, but uh, it's possible that Mark Gatiss is just allowed to do whatever he wants on Doctor Who because him and Stephen Moffat are like bros. Buddies. It's possible, bros, British bros. Um, I have to make comment that one of my favoriteest things happened. I've in in season nine, where it's one of the lake episodes where they go back to before it flooded, and it's the badass broad and the squirrely scientist guy go back in time with with the doctor do we recall this mm-hmm. and yes. he walks away she's like oh i have something in my boot and he the doctor walks away and she's like it's, and she starts hopping down and the glee yes. and joy that she has on her face as she's saying it's bigger on the inside it's bigger on the inside <sighs> okay there have been <laughs> there have been a couple of instances this season of like people who are a fan of the doctor getting to like hang out with the doctor they did that with Osgood too, where she's like, "I know everything about you." I, I, I always like Osgood. You used to wear yeah. question mark, uh, yeah, question marks all the time, and now they're on my underpants. <laughs> that <laughs> leads me. What the question is? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> that was great. There's also when you said about um, him being all twelve doctors at the same time. There is a lot of Easter eggs in the series for in this. Excuse me. The British call it each season a series, so sometimes I say oh. series when I mean season. All right, we get it. <laughs> there, uh, shut up. <laughs> there have been a lot of Easter eggs in this season for classic series fans, where Capaldi st- spits out these lines that, like, if you're not paying attention, whatever, it's just some techno babble or something that he said, and it doesn't really 
have much meaning. But like, that's a thing that the third doctor used to say all the time. Oh my God, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. I actually, uh, I, I, when I read that in one of her articles, I looked up, there's a YouTube supercut of all the super cut of all of that. And it's so great. <laughs> awesome. we, can, can we put a link to that in the show notes? We have yeah, to. It's yeah, amazing. Has, has he always been playing the guitar? No, that's new this, in this season uh, too. And last question. How do we feel about the Sonic sunglasses? I'm for them. Okay. That's Me too. Fantastic. I think it's awesome. Okay. It fits his personality yes, so well. Okay. There's and, there's backlash on the internet about, oh, it's not a screwdriver anymore. Well, whatever. He didn't used to have a screwdriver at all, and now he has yeah, wasn't the else. second one's a flute? And now he got yeah. a, a fantastic deal with Ray-Ban, so let them make their money. <laughs> And he looks cool. This doctor is kind of a rock star, so, you know, when why not? he's throwing himself his death time, party. <laughs> I, I have to say that one of the things I've noticed and I really like about him this season is that, the, like, not only is he acting the part so well, they're, they're dressing him more the part. Because when yeah. he first showed up, it was a really slick outfit. And now it's like he still has that really awesome coat but he's wearing like the kind of goofy old man baggy plaid pants, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. like he's got a real sense of whimsy to his outfit now, which is like it makes me feel like they're really crossing old doctor with new doctor. So he's it's... still sharp dressed, but at the same time, kind of mismatchy, crazy old man dressed. So... It's like he's wearing all twelve outfits at the same time too. <laughs> well, and I think <laughs> fortunately not that giant bright colored one, um... and, and not. The uh, not in the way that Joey did it on Friends, where he wore all of Chandler's clothes. <laughs> Going <laughs> not commando. Do any lunges. <laughs> um, and I think I think they did that purposefully, be, or Peter Capal- They couldn't pull that, you know, attire out with a younger doctor. True. Okay, true. so this you know Peter is is perfect for this role the way they are portraying him. I don't think he could go Matt Smith you know, crazy, for lack of a better term. You, it, there's a sense of gravitas with his performance, and it's, he's doing a, a perfect job. So, Agreed. With, with little, like, slivers of glee mm-hmm. mixed yeah. in. I do like the fact that he keeps saying, I have the burden of concern. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, can I stop now? Like, that's great. Okay. Yeah, I see what there's you're a doing. lot of there's a lot of themes going on with him. There's the burden of care. There's, you know, he keeps running into things that you know turn out to be hybrids of two different things. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of interesting things going on. And I want to see where they're going with it and what they're gonna pick up and run with. Oh, knowing knowing the doctor, it's gonna be all of them, and they're all gonna come to fruition in some way, shape, or form. I have faith. Alrighty, I think that I think that wraps up for our, our love of the Doctor, us, us spewing out our Hoovianism as much as we possibly can. <laughs> I mean, I could go on. I, I know, but we give you an article and have, for that. And will again. <laughs> um, Chris, do you know something about the Internet? I know a few things about the Internets. For example, uh, you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Geekade. You can subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I am at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K R I S. Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is available at Shoot underscore the underscore moon. 
If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or whatever have you that gives you your podcast goodness. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day except on Sundays because we're tired. <laughs> this is very true. Some of us are tired on Saturday as well. All right, that wraps it up for this week's episode of this week's episode. Uh, thank you all for enjoying the television that we spew at you. As always, from all of us here at Geekade, at Geekade, at this week's episode featured on Geekade, I am Evan Goldstein. We're pointing to each other. I'm Chris Randazzo. And I'm Dan Ryan. <laughs> Good night. Good evening. <laughs> Jesus Christ, honey. Man, spotless. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if there's a camera on me. I, I like I almost went for it like twice and I was like, no, he's not he's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. Take my moment. <laughs> I agree. Right, and this concludes our broadcast day.